0: It is now almost, it's about three and a half years since Lindsay and I were at the Gateway Church in Pools weekend away. And uh, one of the features of that weekend away was that we were getting sent out, sent to Glasgow to go and begin something new. Now that was a really exciting moment. There was uh, all these people in the room who we loved, who loved us, who, were there supporting us who we'd been in community for such a long time with who we'd learned to trust and they'd trust, they trusted us and it really was a powerful moment people gathered around us laid hands and prayed for some time as the spirit of god just ministered to us but it was only a couple of weeks later that we we're in the car me lindsay and annabelle who was about 18 months old and We're driving up the N6, looking at each other going, what are we doing? We have no team. It is just us. We're gonna turn up uh, to a flat in the middle of town. In fact, we didn't even have a flat by then. We had to go and stay with relatives for a couple of weeks. Basically, we had nowhere to lay our heads. (laughs) And so we were just at a loss at what we were doing, but we had one thing. Faith in Jesus. Faith that he was going to build something, that he was going to lead us. Mm -hmm. And we had to really draw on that. And the reason I'm telling you about that story again, again, is that all of us are about to step into a moment like that. That's what it feels like to me as we approach this new season. We need something miraculous. We need God to turn up. We're gonna push ourselves, by God's call, into a place where we need God to show up for us. Are you okay? You finished your banana, that's great. Why don't you go and join the kids, like? There's Lydia, and I'll catch you at the end. A what? A snack, why don't you grab a snack at the back? And that was a very clever tactic. Where did she learn that from? (laughs) So we had uh, a couple of words as well as we went. And one of those words that was given to us was about stepping stones, it was a prophetic picture. And uh, this person saw the River Clyde and they saw us on one side of the Clyde and they said, look, stepping stones are going to get dropped into it as you leap across them, but they won't be placed until you're ready for the next leap. And so we look back and we think, man, there's been a couple of those stones laid down as God gathered a team, a team of wonderful people, like-minded people, full of a similar heart for what they believed God was going to do in the city. And then another and another. And I feel as though this one is a significant stone that is just about to be laid. In fact, I think it has emerged in the water, and we need to get ready to leap forward. I'm going to get there, but I'm going to preach Romans, from Romans 11, 33 through 12:13. Okay, I'm just going to keep you holding on. And um, I'm going to read from this text because I think it can really help us think about why we're doing what we're about to do. So chapter 11. Verse 33, if you have a Bible with you, please do open up. Oh, the depths of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out, who has known the mind of the Lord, or who has been his counsellor, who has ever given to God that God should repay them. For from him and through him and for him are all things bless and do not curse father as we take the time to listen to what we believe you are calling us to as we look to discern it together as a congregation would you help us would you help us to lay down our own wants and desires And to turn to your ways, Jesus, as a living sacrifice. Would we truly be willing to listen to what you have to say to us? Holy Spirit, would you fall on this room afresh? Fill us afresh. Give us ears to hear, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, our calling as a church has always been simple. We want to fill Glasgow with people who are pursuing love, love by God, love one another, love the city, who are pursuing truth, declaring and discipling one another in gospel truth from Genesis to Revelation, and who are pursuing unity as a body, people who are together, united and compliment one another and prefer one another through the gifts that God has given them. Simple. We want to do it for God's glory because we are made to worship Him. And we want to let everyone know in this whole city how great He truly is. And we want to do it for Glasgow's good because as we take His message, as we take His love, His power... To Glasgow, people are going to be transformed for their good. In other words, we want to see the kind of praise in Paul's heart that he puts into the hearts of the Romans here. And we want to see put into the hearts of Glaswegians. As Johnny and I were chatting in December... And we started to have one of those conversations. You know one of those conversations? What if conversations? What if? And we started to talk about our grace communities. So I think we've got a picture of our grace communities that we can pull up um, where they are around the city. So you will see that there are three grace communities in the southeast. And there are three grace communities in the northwest. Now we started going, "Hmm, what would it be like us not to all gather together centrally but to think about gathering in the southeast and the northwest on a Sunday. Now we weren't really taking ourselves too seriously at this point we thought nah. I mean we're not a big enough chairs to do something like that we don't have the resources to do anything like that. The next day uh, Stu sends me a message he says uh, I think God's given me a picture And I want to share it with you. It's really one for you and Johnny as elders to discern. Um, But let me me buy you lunch and we'll, we'll chat it through. So that's what we did. I got a great lunch out of it too. Happy days. And he describes to me this word that he has of a vine. Which is growing up a trellis. But it's not growing straight up. It's growing in the path of least resistance was the phrase he used to the outer parts of the trellis not straight up in different directions he said oh, I wonder if that's about where we're supposed to meet that was it, we had a good old discussion about what that might be but that was it and Stu has, he's been around churches for a well. while he understands the prophetic gift very well so he knows this is a This is a kind of high bar of weighing a prophetic word. So we went away, Johnny and I have been chatting and praying about it for months. In the meantime, in January, I was invited to uh, this gathering of pastors. And we basically went round a big room for two days telling our stories of what God's been doing in our lives recently and our struggles. And then we would pray for one another. And as I was praying in one of those meetings, God gave me a picture there's a picture of a jigsaw. And it was a bit odd. I'm not really great at jigsaws. I'm not really into them. I asked Lindsay if we do a jigsaw together. Three quarters is done by Lindsay. And it, the jigsaw had been completed in the middle. But I was stuck. I was holding a piece above the middle and I, I just couldn't, couldn't place it. And I could feel myself getting really frustrated. And then suddenly, I felt like I was shown an edge piece, and I started to build together the edges. And eventually, the edges all came together and it started to come in. I thought, oh, that's interesting. Maybe that connects to what Stu has already brought. Much more recently, I got a message from Lewis Mitchell, who had had a word. On our prayer night after we'd fasted together not long ago, and he said he had this picture. We always seem to get pictures in our church, don't we? Seems to be the way God speaks to us. Interesting. Anyway, um, we we had this. He had this picture of of kind of uh, orange glow, an orange glow which was like a big circle around the city centre, not in the city centre but around it, around Glasgow. And he said as you zoomed in. Actually, it wasn't one big circle. It was lots of smaller circles. And at this point, Lewis had no idea about any of this. Same thing when Stu spoke to us. He had no idea. And again, it just felt as though that was confirmation from God to say, yeah, I'm I'm saying that. I don't want you to only think about one central gathering and planting churches like we've assumed for this mission but that perhaps we're moving into a new season where we're thinking of smaller gatherings around the city rather than one large one that plants lots of churches. So as an eldership team, the two of us, we have been praying, 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 praying over these words and as you know, we've been looking for buildings at the same time and trying to work out what's going on there. But we really do feel as though we are being called into a new season where we will be about building churches of 60 to 80, who plant churches of 60 to 80. We want to begin in the Northwest as a whole church, consolidate, and then wait on God to build the teams that we need and to build us up, particularly in leadership, before we then send out others, send out a good chunk of the church, with probably about 40% of us. To the south of the city. Now, I'm going to get into some more uh, detail on that at the end, but I want to just take us through Romans before that. One thing to mention first is this isn't a model set out for us for every church. We don't believe this is every church's calling, but we do believe this could be our calling as a church. And I love that it correlates with Jesus relationships. That Jesus for most of his ministry had about 70 followers. He had about 12 he had 12 disciples. And he had three who he was very close with. And we would really be organizing ourselves in that way. About 70 on a Sunday. About 12 in grace communities who would be the grace communities gathered around that 70. And then we would encourage you, and we don't organize this for you because it gets a bit weird, but encourage you to go deeper with three like Jesus did with James, Peter, and John. Now, from this passage, I just want to point out a few reasons why I think this change is going to be God's goodness to us as we take this next big step, as we take this leap. The first thing is that it will help us one another. We are committed to building relationally. We're not interested in putting on a big event that people can ghost in and out of. When I read the New Testament, I see people saved, added, and matured as Jesus' disciples in relationship. Not through a great show with all the razzmatazz. And I believe those relationships are irreplaceable. And this point in history, we must keep pointing out to people that no app, no YouTube streaming, no time in the hills appreciating God's beauty can even come close to the building up we do than one-anothering. Over a hundred times in the New Testament, there are one-another references. But we need to be honest about something, about where we're at as a church The bigger we have become, the more we have struggled to maintain genuine relationships, particularly coming out of COVID. Second thing it will do is is that it will help us show up and build up. Those of you who remember the early days, we need to be careful we don't reminisce in such a way where we think there were glory days. It was hard going. But... You will remember if you were there, how quickly we were getting to know each other. Sure, it was cut off after just over a year uh, when the pandemic came along. But until that point, there was barely a person who arrived at the church that didn't end up in a grace community or who wouldn't get a message to say how much we missed them, even if they couldn't, just, if they couldn't make it one week. It created a culture of showing up and building up. The third thing is that it will help us to belong. Our belonging is first in Christ, the head. But in being joined to one another, sorry, in being joined to Christ, we belong and are joined to one another. That's the nature of a body. That's what Paul is describing. When Jesus welcomes you in, he welcomes you in to the church as well. But it hasn't always felt like that for people. The experience of people showing up recently, I would imagine, and in conversations I've had, that it's been more difficult to feel like you belong. In the past year, we've had people come and go, and by nature of being a church of about 130 people who would say that Glasgow Grace is their church, but then only about 85 on a Sunday turning up, it means that we don't do community as regularly and as committed a way as we would like and actually a part of the problem there is not always with the people who don't turn up sure we can preach we can say come on you need to turn up more but actually it becomes more difficult for people to turn up because they aren't as known they don't feel as valued they don't feel like they belong. And actually Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12 that we are indispensable. Do we still believe that as a church? I think it's becoming more challenging to believe that. So maintaining those kinds of relationships is becoming more difficult the bigger we get. And actually the further we live from one another, which is natural as we build something centrally, where people are gathering from all corners of this city, It's difficult to be in deep relationship with people who live 40 minutes from you. It's just the way it is. I also think it's going to help us to grow in humility. We want to invest first in Christ-like character, not in competence. A character full of the love and the humility that Paul is pointing us to here is the type of character that causes us to be the living sacrifices of praise he wants us to be, that God wants us to be, humble and loving like Christ. Isn't it interesting that before Paul writes to the believers in Rome about their gifts, because that's what he's leading on to, and how they work together as the body of the church, he feels the need to remind them that, Christianity is, by essence, humble. Don't think too much of yourself, Firstie. Christ-like humility is the foundation for unity. If we want to be truly united, if we want to have truly vulnerable relationships, if we want to truly go deep with one another, we need to be people who are willing to humble ourselves. Because when you don't humble yourself... It becomes impossible really to open yourself up to others. It's amazing how gifts from God can become actually a source of pride. I think that's why he's prefacing it here with humility. The theme of the conference at Advanced Global Gathering this week was humbly onward. I think coming out of the season that we've all been in, I couldn't have thought of a better title. The opening title uh, the title of the opening preach was to the outermost parts of the earth and the innermost parts of your heart if we don't get serious about heart change we'll never reach the city in the way that we we can through Christ we need to go humbly onwards the nature of gifting in itself actually should be humility shouldn't it Think about it. Who gives the gift? Is the gift your thing that you have come up with and cultivated? No. Sure, you can work on what God gives you. But they're given by God. Terry Virgo would often say he's a guy who um, began with a team of people to plant what is now a movement of thousands of churches called New Frontiers, which we are a part of. And uh, he would often say, don't be impressed by your gifts. God gave them to you. Pretty basic, isn't it? Jesus is our gift-giving head. He's our leader. Jesus leads this church. And he leads us by the kind of humility that is so beautiful, it's actually quite hard to grasp. It's hard to grasp in our everyday lives. The King of Heaven laid down His majesty. He was born into poverty and adversity. And despite living the perfect life that no one else had been able to do, He laid down that life, setting out for the cross to make friends of His enemies. The very people who hated him, who shamed him, who misrepresented him, who mocked him, he was willing to lay down his life for. He is our example of what it actually means to be a living sacrifice. He's rich in mercy. He has great love for us. And we can say with Paul in chapter 5 about any one of us who have given their lives to Jesus. While we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son. That is Paul's trump card and his 101 for Christian living when he writes his letters to the churches. This is the essence of what it means to be a Christian. Take up your cross and follow me. Think about what Philippians 2 says. I think these are um, verses that Christians should just keep coming back to. Just like, you know, if you just need to read this every day, like, just do it. You know, like, hugely uh, formative uh, verses for us to read. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, this is Philippians 2. in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant Being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. To grow in Christ-likeness, we need the kind of relationships with people that are so authentic that they are annoying. You need to be in relationship with people in such a way that you can't be bothered sometimes to turn up and be with them. A little like maybe when you look back to when you were a teenager, okay? Maybe you had some siblings. If you had some siblings, you might remember that you would wake up one morning or go home one day and think, I'd really rather be anywhere else than next to this pain in the bum. That kind of relationship is required for us to grow. Now, I'm not saying it's good to think that they're pain in the bum. But what I am saying is that we need to go deep enough with one another, be able to know each other enough and well enough to become people who are tested in relationship. Because that is a huge part of how you grow in Christ likeness. How you become more like Jesus, deny yourself, prefer the other. Be willing to lay yourself down, even when you're misrepresented. Even when you're shamed even when you're shunned. Hiding in a large church is too easy. So we're just going to take that temptation away from us, I think. We need one another, not just when it's good, but also when it's bad. One of the speakers this week said, if you've been hurt by community, you must find healing in community. What I meant by that was that we can't just sweep things under the carpet. We can't just hide. We've got to confront lovingly, speak the truth in love, and try our very best to be reconciled and to continue to love one another as Christ has loved us. Next thing, it will help us to grow in our gifts. Of course, we do need one another's gifts, don't we? For this mission to continue, we need one another's Gifts. We are one body with many functions, but all of them have been given by the head who leads us by Jesus. Helps us to prefer one another by realizing that Jesus has given all the gifts. Maybe you are someone who has a prophetic voice. Maybe you're prophetic, okay? And actually you find it really difficult to... We just have so much teaching in the church all the time. Where's the space for the prophetic? Why are you just giving us a little space at the end? Come on, we're a valued part of this church. See our gifts used. Maybe you're a teacher and this is killing you because you're like, you're not expositing this passage properly. This isn't true expository preaching. It's far more prophetic. Yes, it is, I confess. Sometimes we need that. We're not going like to ignore the truth. We're not going to twist anything just so that it works for us. But we are going to make sure that all the gifts are valued. We are going to try and be a church... That as we expose scripture, as we try and understand it, go more deeply into it, and we discover its truth, we'll discover simple truths like eagerly desire all the gifts, especially prophecy. And that means doing it, not just listening about it. In other words, I could name dozens of gifts in this room, and I could probably guarantee if you have a particular gift, that one or that one or that one will annoy you at times. We must, as Christians, as a kind of prophetic voice to the culture around us that has been so ingrained in expressive individualism, this idea that we just follow our heart and do whatever we feel, whenever we feel it, without any sense of responsibility to the communities we belong to, we must find a way of preferring one another in our gift being the body of 1 Corinthians and Romans 12. True authenticity is found when we conform to the image of Christ. And we can do that together in our gifts, under the head as one body. But you must appreciate one another's gifts. For our gifts to flourish, we must, we must keep encouraging the other who has a different gift from you in order for us to keep going on together. In smaller communities, there's going to be more opportunities to do that. We were at Preach Prep today, we had three excellent preachers, and I mean it, they were brilliant. I'd love to get all of them preaching. I don't think we could do that if we just kept one central gathering. One way that we can do it, is sure when we start as two gatherings, I'm going to be going across both Congregations, if that's the way that God leads us to do it. But we will also have lots of times where one congregation will have one preacher and one congregation will have another. And it will help us. To grow in our gifts and help us then to multiply to the next one and the next one and the next one And hopefully we see Glasgow filled with communities of gifted people of 60 to 80 Who can take those gifts to different parts of the city and then go and tell people about Jesus See them come in and witness what Christian community, this humble, loving, gracious people actually looks like And it will help us to grow in our mission Okay, I confess, those of you who are sharp when it comes to teaching, it is not in this passage. Okay? But it's all over Romans. Paul famously declares the good news about Jesus and says in chapter 1, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. And he even says in chapter 15 that he is keen to go... To preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named. That's an interesting phrase, isn't it? That one kind of gets me in the heart, to be honest. Now, I don't think that we did the wrong thing necessarily by gathering centrally to begin with. I actually look back and think, no, I think that that was the right thing for a season. Because look who God has gathered. And look at what we could do now. But... I do think it's time that we pushed into the areas where there is no gospel proclamation in the city. Where there are not gospel-centered churches who proclaim the name of Jesus. I think it's time for us to do that. There's a glorious quote, um, which I quoted to a few guys a couple of weeks ago who will recognize this, from uh, a Dutch theologian and former prime minister of the Netherlands. There is not a square inch in the whole domain of our human existence over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry, mine. I believe that we need to take that posture in the power of the Holy Spirit about Glasgow. Not because it's ours, but because it's Christ's. Because it belongs to Jesus because we want every single part of this city to have the glory of God revealed to them. May Glasgow flourish by the preaching of his word and the praising of his name. I was going to get it wrong, so thanks. We want the gospel in every sense of its meaning to come across Glasgow. To see the kingdom of God break out. For people to know the sweetness of God's mercy and love. To experience the forgiveness of sin, the removal of shame. The wonder of finding satisfaction in worshipping God alone, who we were made to worship. The hope of a new creation through the resurrection of Jesus, who is the firstborn from among the dead. Of the kingdom of God. Breaking out now in its glory. Is that what we want to see? Do we want that? I think if we want that, we need to be more radical. I think if we want that, we've got to push ourselves out in an adventure of faith. I think if we want that, we've got to make this leap. I think if we want that, we need to stop doing what Liz Mitchell. Um, Described in his sermon this morning, his uh, little 10 minute sermon, which was one of the brilliant sermons that was brought this morning, to not continue to drift in apathy and call it rest, but instead to become living sacrifices to the glory of God. Every single one of us in this room. Every single one of us who's not in this room, who call Glass, who Grace, their church, has far more potential than any of us realize. You're indispensable to the mission of God. You're indispensable to our encouragement. You're indispensable to what it is that God wants to do in this city. Do you believe that? I'm calling on you to pray to God and ask him to fill you afresh with a sense of what he wants to do in you, what he has made you for, not what the world has made you for. Do uh, Do not conform to this world, but conform to the image of Christ not because you're able, but because the Holy Spirit has fallen upon the church and he is here ready for you to go. It's been great, hasn't it, to hear of so many people inviting friends along to Alpha again this time. But again, we've got to be honest. It's been filled with people who have invited their friends from the west of the city because the Alpha is being held in the west of the city. I think there is one outlier. Well done that outlier. (laughs) But honestly for me, my prayer is it's not an excuse. That I don't feel like I can invite people 40 minutes across the city from where I live to an Alpha course, maybe it becomes a lot easier. Maybe it becomes a lot more connected to their world if it's more local. And wouldn't it be wonderful if there were more and more local expressions for us to invite people along to? And wouldn't it be wonderful to be on mission together in those areas with more intentionality. We already try to do it with Grace Communities. But our lives are full. It has been challenging to do that. We're going to continue to do that, but I think it becomes even easier. We just get rid of one of those obstacles if our Sunday gatherings get more local. Jesus commands us to go and make disciples of all nations. He doesn't call us to wait by multiplying gospel communities more quickly, we can get the gospel and love of God to socially and gospel-needed places more quickly too. There are lots of people who are probably unwilling to come out of their estate, come out of their uh, part of Glasgow, To come to a church or come to something that we put on. But we can go to them. And one way of expressing that is through Sunday gatherings. It begins with us going. And it becomes easier when our Sunday gatherings are closer. We're not about just inviting people to things. We do want to do this relationally. But it helps us when we can invite people into the church in a more local sense so that they can see that our love for one another, which Jesus says we will be known by. So when will we do it? How will we do it? There's a lot of things that we could say. I'm just going to say a few things now and then we'll continue to answer questions over the next coming months okay so the first thing that we we think god is calling us to do is to consolidate together in the northwest so it would be brilliant if we could bring back up that that picture uh, we are looking at, at a church at the moment praying over a church that, unfortunately we're not even allowed to name but we have we've gone a long way down the road in terms of conversation um, and it would be a great situation for us in the northwest for that first congregation and um, it is Mary Hill kind of area okay we recognize that many of you walk to church and that congregation we want to make sure is close enough for you to walk to church so if you're in the west end we're going to do our very best to make sure that that building is going to be close enough for you to continue to walk to church particularly true for students So that is what we're thinking, and we're thinking we consolidate there, build teams, build leaders, kind of muscle up if you like, have the Holy Spirit muscle us up and get us ready to send send many more of us out to start a second congregation. And right now we're thinking January might be a good time to take that leap. And uh, we're looking somewhere in the middle of those three Grace Communities in the southeast where there actually aren't a lot of churches what you have is a little strip of great churches in the kind of south side corridor they call it and then around shawlands basically but actually as you get further east there's very little and as you get further south there's very little and so we see an opportunity there for us to be able to make an impact for Jesus and so that is what we're hoping to do Um, The next really important meeting for us about all of this will be on Wednesday and we want to invite all of you to be there. We want prayer. We want you to prepare in prayer. Ask God to bring prophetic words. Ask God to prepare your hearts for for worship and mission because mission flows out of worship. Ask God to fill you with confidence not in your own ability but the the power of the Holy Spirit I look out in this room and I think man there are so many people in this room who don't realise it yet but could be involved in leading and planting and starting congregations building them up encouraging one another and, and having extraordinary communities that make a big difference in their areas I really believe that so that is it for now (laughs) <laughs> but many more things to come you'll have all sorts of questions about teams and how we do that and who, who leads what and who's in which congregation and all that kind of thing praise God we've got time to work that out Okay, but we'll work it out together in time and uh, I'm looking forward to all these conversations Father God we just humbly give this to you we say Lord uh, would you lead us would you help us would this all be for your glory? And God's was good. Would this truly see people transformed by your grace? Would this truly see people uh, in this room who, are already, who already have faith built up and strengthened and, and finding belonging in their value in you and in your mission? But would it also uh, lead to many people coming to faith.